Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taport. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 14 of Crack the Customer Code. Today we're talking about the importance of being able to handle pressure in a customer-facing role. And we have Jeff Toyster, author of Service Failure. He will be joining us to talk about some of the reasons customer service fails. And guess what we have? What? Customer hero, customer zero, of course, but this time we have a twist. This time the customers are the heroes. Cool. Now, and uh, yeah, that's cool. It's exciting. It's actually a really cool segment. Now, here's the thing. We have a sponsor message coming up. And if you're interested in sponsoring Crack the Customer Code, please just go to our website, crackthecustomercode.com, and all the details are available there. And now a word from our sponsor, who I think just might be 360 Connects. <laughs> it is. So at 360 Connects, we get asked a lot of questions about customer experience in general. And we found a way to offer a lot of information for people who want to learn about customer experience roles, how to start a new project, customer-centric culture, lots of things. We have all this information on SlideShare. It's available to anybody. It's really the next best thing to picking my brain for a couple minutes. So go ahead and check it out at 360connects.com, which is 360-C-O-N-N-E-X-T.com. And I get the pleasure of picking Jeannie's brain all the time. So I got to tell you, it's not overrated. It's really worth it. So make sure to check her out on SlideShare. Now, let's talk about handling pressure in customer service. Because one of the big differentiators between good and great customer service is the ability of reps to handle pressure. And I know you saw a really good example of this on a recent flight. So we're going to, for I believe the 7,000th time, <laughs> talk about Southwest Airlines on the Crack the Customer Code podcast. There you go. Uh, yeah, I was flying Southwest again recently. And I flew from Atlanta to Chicago. And no surprise, it was nice and sunny in Atlanta. And when I got to Chicago, it was snowing. So we were supposed to land early. We thought we were going to be at the airport. And the pilot got on and said, oh, sorry, there's no visibility because a storm had just kind of blown in. I'm not sure if you're familiar with snowstorms because of your Florida home there, but they can be kind of hard to see through. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> so we actually got diverted to Dayton, Ohio, which none of us were expecting. Clearly, that's an uncomfortable situation when you want to be home. You think you're going to be home early, and then all of a sudden you realize you're going to be very, very late. So everybody's trying to call home. Everybody's making new arrangements. But when we landed in Dayton, there wasn't a gate. And so we had to stay on the plane. And I don't know about you, but that's one of my least favorite feelings is being stuck on a plane when you're on the ground. I pay extra for it myself, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just weird. Well, not, not all of us have private planes, Adam. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so we were stuck in this plane and I was so impressed with how the flight attendants and the pilots and everybody handled it because they provided a lot of information anytime they had information. They also went out of their way to make us comfortable. They encouraged us to walk around the plane. They brought us more water and drinks. They brought us more snacks. They made it feel like we were all in this together. And I think reflecting that back, the other passengers showed that kindness and compassion and just, you know, not losing our cool because we all felt like we were part of the team. So when we did get a gate and we were able to get off the plane, we were really appreciative. 
They kept us updated. They got us back to Chicago many hours later. And we were grateful for how they behaved under pressure. And the attendant actually made an announcement right as we landed saying, thank you so much to all the passengers for not losing your cool and taking it out on us. We really appreciate that. So I, I thought it was a great example of how if you show how to behave, if you lead by example, people will follow that lead. Absolutely. And you know, that's the thing. There's always going to be pressure situations in any customer facing role. So how you handle that, especially when the customer is under pressure, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times just the one side's under pressure, you're under pressure to deliver. And, uh, you know, Renee, my wife just told us a story about that where, you know, she wasn't particularly under pressure, but she was going in to get her contact lenses from a store that will remain nameless. And uh, she had a just sort of a, a rep who just was like folding because there was a line. So, mm -hmm. you know, she, she goes in, she, I think she called ahead a few times and then nobody answered. So she goes in and there's a line and then she walked up to the counter and what was the quote she said to us? <laughs> what did the, yeah. what did that, uh, the rep say to her? She, she said the rep basically looked at her when she was standing in line and said, you're going to have to come back later. Can't you see? I have a lobby full of people waiting. And I, I was floored when she told us this story. Now, I actually teach that specific language in Chapter 70 <laughs> of my book. <laughs> I hope not. It's <laughs> awful. It was funny when she was telling us the story. You were like silent for like 15 seconds. <laughs> and that never happens. <laughs> I know that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You know, we talked about training. And, you know, when, when we do customer service training, it's one thing to sort of say, okay, do this, do that. But I think in customer service training, you really want to role play and emulate real world conditions as much as possible, because that's how you get the, you know, as close as you can to that feeling of knowing how to handle the pressure of knowing how to deal with, you know, three lines on hold, two customers in front of you and somebody really upset. Well, and I think on top of that, you know, you, you talk about the front line and the day to day a lot. And a lot of my work is around that customer journey mapping, overall customer experience. And one of the questions I ask in mapping sessions is, okay, what happens when this breaks? Because if you don't think about that, then you never realize that there will be high pressure situations that your people will be under. So first thinking about what could happen that could go wrong. And then what do we do about that once it goes wrong? And then role playing, that's really where you, you find the right mix of what will work. Absolutely. And it's really interesting that we have this topic today because our next guest is an expert on sort of how these things can often break down on the front lines. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jeff Toyster. Jeff Toyster helps customer service teams unlock their hidden potential. He's the author, author of Service Failure, The Real Reasons Why Employees Struggle with Customer Service and What You Can Do About It. Jeff has also authored several customer service training videos with lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A.com, including leading a customer-focused culture. So we're thrilled to have you here. Hi, Jeff. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a big honor. Well, we are love to have you. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you and I have been interacting over social media and blogs for years, so I'm so happy that you're here to talk to us about some reasons employees struggle with customer service. So, Let's just sort of set the uh, groundwork here by talking about what are some of those reasons. Well, believe it or not, it's it's not typically the employee. We we often blame customer service failures on the employee. They have a bad attitude or they make a mistake. That happens, but it's not one of the leading causes. It's usually the system. And, and what I mean by the system is it's a poor product. It's tough to get behind things if your product's no good. Uh, maybe it's unfriendly policy. So there's things that employees aren't able to do. 
And another might be a lack of empowerment. So a great example would be, did you happen to hear about the Comcast service failure that went viral about six months ago? Oh, did we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. And if your listeners haven't heard this one, the, the story was the uh, uh, a Comcast customer was so frustrated trying to cancel his service that about halfway through the call, he started recording it. And the the agent just wouldn't take no for an answer, kept telling him over and over again, I'm not going to cancel your service. That's not my job. I'm going to talk you into keeping it. He posted this call online, and it went viral. And Comcast's reaction, interestingly enough, was to initially blame the employee. But if you look carefully, it's really the system. And, and here's what I mean. Try to find out how to cancel your service if you're a Comcast customer. You can find everything else on their website, but canceling the service takes a lot of digging. Even when you do find that, uh, most things you can do online, but to cancel your service, you've got to call. And their website, at least six months ago, uh, said, we want you to call, and and basically, to paraphrase, so we can talk you into not canceling. (laughs) And and then I did some investigation and come to find out that uh, these agents, uh, these retention agents, their job description is to keep you, and they're incentivized to keep you. So everything is geared towards this person essentially badgering a customer into not canceling. So the system has failed this employee in, in a way, and I'd almost say this employee's not at fault. They, they should be the employee of the month. They're doing exactly what Comcast <laughs> asked them to do. So that's one of those unfriendly policies that you mentioned. Exactly. Now, yeah. here's, here's a, a little bit of backstory. I don't know if you have heard this part or not. The person who, who posted that call, his name was Ryan Block, and he was an employee with America Online. And the reason I bring that up is way back in 2006, there was a guy named Vincent Ferrari who did exactly the same thing as Ryan Block. He tried to cancel his service. He was getting nowhere. He recorded the call, posted it online, and went viral. Except that time back in 2006, he was trying to cancel his America Online service. (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. Yes. So, you know, I I totally agree with what you're saying, Jeff, because I think a lot of times – Policies and processes and procedures are designed around what the organization wants and their goals and doesn't really consider what does the customer want in this moment. But there are points in the process when really it is about an employee trying to empathize or an employee trying to understand what are the needs of this customer in front of me who is asking for something. So why do employees struggle with that? Why do they struggle with understanding their customers' needs, you think? Well, you're absolutely right. There, there are plenty of times when uh, it's up to the employee to understand what the customer needs and, and act on it. Even then, though, the deck is often stacked against customer service employees, and it really boils down to attention. Are they able to provide their full attention to that customer? And let me give you an example of a few things that take our attention away from customers. One is uh, all the bells and whistles we need to provide service. Uh, the um, uh, ICMI uh, recently re- uh, released a study that says the typical call center agent has to navigate through seven different software programs to serve their customers. So their attention is spread all over the place. It's tough to navigate seven programs and try mm-hmm. to serve your customer at the same time. Uh, another one would be um, rational needs versus emotional needs. And what I mean by that is in customer service, what's most important is the customer's emotions. How do they feel about the service they're receiving? Unfortunately, all of our training, all of our processes, all of our systems are typically geared towards rational needs. 
what's your problem? What can I do about it? Take some action. Send you on your way. And in the process, we kind of naturally ignore the most important part, which is if I can make you feel better, I probably did a better job. The last one is really interesting. It's simply fatigue. We come to find out that the part of our brain that controls our attention is so overworked. And if you think about all the different screens we use, and then a typical customer service rep, when they're taking their break, guess what they do? They pull out their smartphone, and they just divide their attention amongst Facebook and texting and chatting and all kinds of other things. And at the end of the day, uh, they're tired, and it becomes harder and harder for them to pay attention. So those are just a few reasons why it's difficult for customer service employees to really pay attention to those customer needs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll take your second point where you talked about the rational versus the emotional and getting, you know, customer facing reps to sort of understand the importance of the emotional feeling that the customer takes away. Because, you know, if somebody complains for 10 minutes, even if you can solve their problem in 10 seconds, you need to let them know they were heard first. Because if they had that much to say, it's about how they feel as much as about what the issue was. So, what are some ways, you know, you train reps and teach them to sort of understand that emotional side, that it's not just about the fix? Well, I think the first thing is to go back to the system. In other words, let's make the system easy for reps to be able to do that. And, and training is important, but if I've got a clock that's ticking and I know my boss is going to talk to me about how long I've been on the phone, if I don't get off the phone quickly, forget tuning into emotional needs. So we've got to create the right system. The second step, though, is making reps aware of these emotional needs. You know, it's funny that uh, we don't spend a lot of time in training digging into emotions. One of the things I do in my training classes is, uh, for example, I'll I'll play a, a recording of a call and I'll say, okay, tell me what the customer wanted. Great. That's usually pretty easy. Tell me how you think this customer's feeling and what can we do about it? Now, the third step's really tricky. You know, a lot of what you talked about, Adam, is, is empathy. And it turns out that empathy doesn't come as naturally to us as we'd like to believe. The The core of empathy comes from having a relatable experience. So uh, a great example, if you've ever traveled on an airplane and someone's had a crying baby, it seems like the people who are best able to empathize are parents, uh, especially parents of young children. So even flight attendants, the ones who have young children themselves or have been there, it's very easy for them to empathize. But what about everybody else who hasn't been in those shoes? It's tough to empathize. And so one of the things you can do training-wise is give your employees relatable experiences or help them tap into experiences that are similar. Great example comes from the, the world of hotels where uh, some high-end hotels, uh, for example, the Four Seasons, will have their associates stay at their hotel so they understand exactly what it's like to be a guest. Well, I think that's so important for anybody. I, I always encourage executives too to like call their customer service line and see how they're welcomed when they walk into if they have a store or storefront or anything. So I, I totally agree with that. And actually going back to hotels, I was recently staying at a hotel where they had one of those kind of mini convenience marts next to the uh, check-in desk. And you had to actually go up to the desk to pay for whatever item it was. And to charge it to the room, I noticed I, I felt bad for the people at the desk because they had to go through about 15 different green screens on mainframes from 1986 <laughs> to actually just charge it to my room for a granola bar. And I think going back to policy, I, I literally felt bad for the people who were doing this because the line was growing. It was a busy day. 
And I knew they were kind of in for it already. So I think it's a great point to talk about policy and and procedure and how all of that really affects it. So that's great. Now, I, I have another question on that, Jeff. How do you see hiring the right people fitting into this? It's essential. Um, one of the key things that a lot of times we'll talk about when it comes to hiring the right people or what questions should we ask, where should we look, and, and I think it, it comes back to something more fundamental to that, uh, and and that is deciding what does the right person look like, and I don't mean physically, but I mean mm-hmm. what do they look like in terms of their skill attributes, but perhaps more importantly, what about their cultural a- attributes? What kind of personality or, or attitude fits best with your organization. And I think it's important to decide that ahead of time before you decide what questions to ask or where to look or who amongst several candidates you're going to hire. So often I'll work with my clients to create what I call an ideal candidate profile where we separate the attributes you absolutely have to have in terms of culture fit, you absolutely have to have in terms of skill. We separate those from the things that it'd be nice to have, but we're willing to work with this or we're willing to train you on these particular skill items. And from there, you can create your interview skill uh, questions and figure out you know, where to look, sourcing, and, and how to make that final decision. But I think if you don't have an answer key ahead of time, it, you end up kind of just taking a lot of random shots at people. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. So, Jeff, where can folks find you on the Internet? Well, they can find me on my blog at toystersolutions.com slash blog. And let me spell that just in case. It's T-O-I-S-T-E-R solutions.com slash blog. I share a, a lot of uh, tips, analysis, trends, etc. there. And uh, also very active on Twitter. It's at Toyster, T-O-I-S-T-E-R. Well, thanks so much for being a guest and have a great day, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. It's time for our Customer Hero, Customer Zero segment. So we've all heard of Southern Hospitality, but North Carolina seems to be cornering that market lately. And you have a great story about customers who are actually the heroes. Yeah, and that's the cool part, because usually we're talking about people that are heroes to their customers, but in this case, the customers are the heroes. So this is about a lady named Shirley Ratliff. She's in North Carolina and has worked at Brugger's Bagels there since about 2006. And apparently she takes like three different buses to get to work, and she's just beloved by her customers, but she's been sick and not been able to get the car she wanted, and that's where her customers stepped up. I love this story. I really do, because here Shirley was making her customers' day all the time. She called the customers her guests. She always had a smile on her face. And so this led by this one customer who created Shirley's Fan Club They realized that she really needed a car and she had been diagnosed with cancer and was dealing with all of that and getting to her appointments. And so this group of 20 customers did the most amazing thing and raised enough money to buy her a car, which was just phenomenal. That's unbelievable. And the video, so we'll have the link in the show notes. People can check out the video of this all happening. They, they filmed her getting presented the car, and it's just so heartwarming. I mean, you can really see her visceral reaction and her emotion. I mean, they just, all these days of her making her customers' days, and I think they returned the favor. Well, and I love one of the quotes I read, which was from the uh, the customer who was named David Burton, who kind of spearheaded this whole effort. He said, we wanted to show you how much you make our day when we come here. Every morning, you're always in a good mood. You're always smiling. 
you put up with my terrible jokes. <laughs> and I thought that was a great example of really getting to know someone in a different way and, and breaking down those barriers of this is just a transaction that I'm doing. This is about relationship building. And clearly she saw them as people that she could get to know. She saw them as friends. And the fact that they were able to give her this gift in such a, an incredible way, I think it's something we can all learn from. Well, yeah, because there's a really valuable lesson here. You know, I sent this out to my uh, e-newsletter a few weeks ago, and sort of the the moral of the story to me was, look, yeah, your customers aren't going to buy you a car. It's a very extreme story. But what you can show frontline reps is how much it really matters to people when you consistently give them a good experience and a good day. When you consistently bring that positive energy and that positive experience into someone's life, it really means something. And they may not always show that appreciation in a deep way, but it's there. Right. Right. I love that story. So everybody should go look at the video. It'll be in our show notes for episode 14. And it is the end of episode 14 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam Deporek, and you can reach me at customersthatsick.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find out more about me at 360connects.com. You can find more episodes and the show notes available at crackthecustomercode.com. And please make sure to subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review so others can find us. And also, we love word of mouth, so please tell someone you know. Tell your friends. <laughs> until, Absolutely. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>